Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 31. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, and this is the Relationship Made Easy podcast. And today, it's all about how to fall in love with your partner again. It's a good one. You know, being in a long-term relationship (laughs) means you see a shared life with someone. The problem is that you and your partner likely have a very different definition of what sharing means. So, uh, you know, I'll see a couple and the husband thinks he's doing plenty, lots around the house, going to work, doing his thing, but his wife feels like he's not, that he's not pulling his weight, he's not doing his fair share. So the wife feels shortchanged, unappreciated, and like she has to control everything or it doesn't get done. And then I've got that husband coming in. He's saying that he feels like he's unappreciated because it seems like nothing he ever does is enough. He feels shortchanged because she's not having, you know, sex with him or at least not enough sex. Uh And he doesn't feel trusted because she keeps reminding him or nagging him about things. So, you know, day after day, year after year of this, and some feelings start to dominate. Resentment, boredom, loneliness, anger, and frustration. And this, of course, leads to feeling disconnected and ultimately to feeling like you've fallen out of love. But hey, isn't this what happens in all relationships? Come on, Abby, especially after you've been together a really long time, it's got to happen. Well, what if I told you that you definitely could fall back in love with your partner and, you know, that it's not inevitable after many years together to fall out of love with your person? What if I told you that there's actual research showing that you can feel completely in love even after 20 years of marriage? So to... Get ready. Today, we're going to talk about how to fall back in love with your partner, but not from those 
and I'm throwing up in my mouth a little uh, as I say this, how to love again ideas <laughs> that you've tried before and haven't worked, you know, from the Huffington Post or one of those little things you read. The reason they don't work is because they aren't rooted in any research or understanding of how the brain works when it comes to love. So today I'm going to teach you what happens in your brain when you're in love so you can take a different approach to getting back in love, even if it's been a long time that you've been feeling disconnected. So uh, let's talk about it. If your relationship has and it, maybe this is even for you if your relationship has transitioned from passionate romantic love into compassionate love, you know, sort of the hot love to friend love, or it could be if you're feeling completely out of love. Uh, there are things you can do. So as always, I'll share my top tips based on the research and my own hands-on experience with clients to help you create that excited feeling again. So, but first we're going to talk about, you know, your brain in love. And I'm going to talk a lot today about Helen Fisher. She's somebody, if you've uh, ever been in the office with me, if you're listening, you know I ta I have, I mention her. Uh, she's a biological anthropologist. Way back, she was at Rutgers. Now she's a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. She's been doing this a long time. This is like her thing. And she's really been on the forefront of so many, so much of the research. And so she's been studying brains in love or brains around the topic of love for decades. And she'll talk about how there's uh, three basic types of love. There's sex, sex drive, she calls it, romantic love, and feelings of deep attachment for your partner. That These are the three types of love that happen in a relationship. And what's interesting is they're not necessarily in any kind of order. So, for example, sometimes people start with sex and then they fall into romantic love. Other times, you know, you feel a romantic love with someone and then you fall into bed with them. Sometimes you can even have a deep attachment to someone over many years. And then this turns into a romantic love and then the sex follows. Or you maybe had this one, <laughs> you're kind of drinking one night with a, a friend you've had for, you know, 20 years or 10 years and you end up having sex because you've had some things to drink, but then realize there's romantic love there. So you can see how that went from, you know, long-term attachment to sex to romantic love. Uh, you know, this can go anyway, but no matter which direction you come from, Dr. Fisher's research shows, and by way, really of functional MRIs, that's how most of this research is done these days, where they com compare these brain scans. Her research shows that when we have those in love feelings, we have activity in a few parts of the brain. So one of them is in a tiny spot at the base of the brain called the ventral tegmental area or the VTA. I always call it the VTA. The VTA is part of your brain's uh, reward system. So it's part of what we call, when you hear me talking about your lizard brain or your reptilian brain, this is part of that. So as a reminder, this part of your brain is way below your rational or conscious thoughts. This is not in your regular thinking brain. This, uh, this deep level of your brain, it's all about pleasure, uh, motivation to pursue and get rewards, wanting, craving, and focused attention. That's, that's this part of the brain that's lit up when we're in love. Now, another region of the brain that's affected when we're in love is the, the caudate nucleus or caudate, I think they usually say. This is an area associated with how your brain learns. That's 
mostly how when I think of it, what I think of, but and how it stores and processes memory. But in relation to being in love, this part of the brain is also in charge of reward detection and expectation. So again, when you're with someone new, you see all these rewards. This part of the brain is lit up. And you're, and there's a lot of expectation around that. And can I get rewards soon? And how soon are they coming? And really getting caught up in that, much like you would at a slot machine or something. <laughs> so that part of the brain's also lit up at a slot machine. And now, if that's not enough, brains and love also show activity in what are called A10 cells. These cells make dopamine. I talk about dopamine a lot. That's a neurotransmitter in charge of things like pleasure and stimulation. And it. These A10 cells make this dopamine and they spray it to other areas of the brain. So you're having that sort of lit up in a bunch of areas. And this is why many neuroscientists compare being in love to being addicted to drugs. Because that intense feeling of being in love activates the same systems in the brain as drugs like cocaine. Dopamine activates the reward circuit. So that's dopamine. That's what it does. It activates this reward circuit, which makes love a highly pleasurable experience. And it's really similar to, you know, the euphoria that we associate with the use of drugs or alcohol. Now, all this brain chemistry is why when you fall in love, your partner becomes super special to you in the beginning. Do you remember those days? Everything they do is unique. It has distinctive meaning. It's woo. You start to focus on this person. And if you think about it, often to the detriment of everything else in your life, you'll forget, you know, you won't work out. You're not eating well. Maybe you're drinking too much. You're, you don't go to work because you're, you know, you don't finish that project because you're in bed with this person on, you know, on a Tuesday morning. Uh, you know, you just, they just sort of take over. And this is when we sometimes make, you know, even decisions, uh, we're not with our children or, you know, taking care of other really important things that normally we wouldn't even think of not completely taking care of or putting as a priority, I should say. So when things are going well, when you're in love, you're so happy. But when things aren't going well, when they're going bad, you're probably pretty upset or depressed. So either way at this point, the other person is all you can think about and you feel this just intense energy in relation to them. So either trying to make it right again or just how great it is and I want more of it. You end up with a, this uh, all encompassing, this kind of powerful craving for an emotional connection. And this is when, you know, we just can't ha- wait to hear those words, right? I love you or, you know, you're all I think about that kind of stuff. Oh, just sends us off the deep end. So Again, the majority of these feelings are caused by that dopamine increase, which again, stimulates these sort of ancient brain neural networks that are associated again with craving, wanting, motivation, and this intense focus. And in this case, it's about our partner, right? Or this person we're falling in love with. And you know, I'm actually going to take a minute to talk about uh, being dumped because I get asked a lot about why, because <laughs> it relates here, sorry, why you get obsessed with someone when they ghost you or dump you. And I've got lots of clients come in the office and they're just obsessed. This person dumps them or it ends. Sometimes they even dump the person, but somehow they've decided they shouldn't have because now they're fabulous and, oh, I could have them now or whatever. And again, the amazing Helen Fisher, has actually done studies where they did MRIs with people who had just been dumped. And incredibly, and it's why I'm talking about it right now, they found the same activity in those brain regions associated with being in love. 
This is why, you know, you'd love to forget all about that person and move on, but you can't stop thinking about them. That same crazy, you know, that same in love feeling is now turned on its side where we're just so focused on them, right? They're so special. We can't stop thinking about them. And you can find yourself kind of loving them even harder. It's crazy. All that, the motivation, the wanting, the focus, the craving, it's lit up in the brain and it's focused on the person you can't have. So, and these MR, the same MRIs for these people been dumped also showed brain activity in the nucleus accumbens, which is, that's a part of the brain uh, all about risk. Um, well, it's all about this uh, calculating taking, you know, should I take this huge risk? How big will my gain be? What, what will my losses be? How do I figure that out? And this part of the brain, for example, doesn't work very well sometimes for like teenagers, you know, when they're, I don't know, on a roof and they go, oh, I'm going to jump into the pool from here. <laughs> and they're not taking into account the kind of risk that might be, um, or the loss they might have associated with it. That's part of the problem. So anyway, <laughs> but when this part of the brain uh, is working in adults, that is a lot of what we're thinking about. And, but this is also why, so this is lit up. This is why you're likely obsessed about what went wrong, right? Your loss, your brain is calculating what you've lost. It's, it's that part of the, it's so lit up. It's thinking, oh no, and I could have had this and it could have been this. And so you're really focused on that loss anyway. So that was my little aside. Sorry, but a lot of you have written in and asked about it and I wanted to answer it and it was perfect here. Okay. So let's talk about though, why you fall out of love from a chemical perspective. Now there are, a few chemical reasons that are wrapped up in why you fall out of love. And when we're in that, uh, how do I say it? So when we're in that kind of initial burst of romantic love, it lowers the levels of a neuro, another neurotransmitter, another brain chemical messenger called serotonin, which a lot of you have heard of and I've talked about. And serotonin is, it's another contributing factor. It's also uh, something that helps with this single-minded concentration obsession, obsession with your partner. It's This neurotransmitter also is part of that neural circuitry of when we get obsessed and can't think about anything but them. So, th But these feelings can also cause you to be blind to your partner's annoying, um, I guess what we would call your undesirable traits <laughs> in the early stages of your relationships. This is all lit up. In other words, so you don't see, you know, him chewing with his mouth open or how she farts in bed. You know, your brain chooses to focus only on the qualities you like. That's one of the things serotonin does. So after, but after you've been in love for a while, this, you develop a tolerance to these pleasurable chemicals, including the serotonin and voila, there are all those annoying things on full display. How did I not notice he always chews with his mouth open or whatever? Uh, so that that's what starts to happen. So it's not like the person got worse necessarily. It's that because this change, this tolerance to these pleasurable neurotransmitters, these pleasurable brain, chem brain chemicals, you didn't notice it and now you're noticing it. Now, I know. And related to this, as if this wasn't enough, being in love also deactivates the neural pathway responsible for your negative emotions. So what happens is your ability to make critical assessments of your partner shuts down. And when we say love is blind, 
It really is. <laughs> Cause when, and it, it, that's literally what happens. Biologically, your brain has shut down this pathway and you can't see they're bad. You know, and again, the, the serotonin's working, everything's going to have you just see the wonder of this person. And when you're falling out of love, when that starts to shift, we start to see, and again, as these neurochemicals fade over time, we start to see this, the negative, again, that was always there, but that we were ignoring or couldn't see for some reason. So as you see your partner, how they really are, you, you know, as you might imagine, you start to get disillusioned a little. And as the years go by, you know, you have children and a mortgage or whatever other stresses or, you know, components of building a life together. These new, these new faults, these sudden faults you're seeing take on an even greater space in your brain because you've got more invested now, which means there's a lot more to lose. So things that weren't such a big deal in the beginning seem like a bigger deal now. So does that all make sense? So these are some of the chemical reasons that you fall out of love. Uh, so it's not just that, oh, things got worse as the relationship went on. He started taking me for granted or this or that. It's that you actually really start to see these things that you were blinded to in the beginning. And now you're really seeing what the relationship is about now. And of course, because of something we've talked about before called your reticular activating system or RAS for short, once you start becoming conscious of these things, once your brain wakes up, you start to see them everywhere because your RAS, I've talked about this before, is a filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind. So what happens is you remember, I've talked about this in earlier podcasts. Um, and if this is your first podcast, you'll hear it now. It, you know, when you buy a new car and you suddenly see that car everywhere, it's because your conscious brain had this, I, you know, order, Hey, I want to get a, you know, I don't know, a blue BMW convertible, whoever you are out there, you lucky dog getting that. And all of a sudden you see your subconscious goes, Oh, look for blue BMW convertibles. And it just starts looking for them everywhere and it finds them. They're everywhere all of a sudden. And that's why, you know, you never saw them before. And then suddenly you see them all the time. This same thing happens with in your relationship. So now you've gotten your conscious mind is starting to notice these things that your partner did that you didn't even notice before. And it's going, oh my God, he does this, she does that. And once they start, it starts getting on that, it starts to, your again, your conscious mind goes, oh, she's a nag. I didn't realize she was always such a nag. And then your, it takes, your subconscious takes that as an order look for my partner nagging me. And again, voila, if you find it everywhere, you find the nagging everywhere because your subconscious took this, the RES, it's like an order, took it as as an order, look for my partner doing this. And so all of these things go together, you know, how your brain works, how, what happens in the, with the chemicals, and then what happens as your relationship progresses. And again, you have, you know, mortgages and kids and there's more, there's more complexity in a relationship as you move forward. So these things become, you become more obvious and they weren't as obvious in the beginning. So when all that comes together, bam. Okay. So let's talk about regaining the spark. That's why you're all listening right now. Abby, stop talking about all this other stuff. I want to know how to get it back. Okay. So now let me say again that you do not need to fall out of love. There doesn't have to be this inevitable downward slide in your relationship towards, I don't know what. 
And I'm going to tell you quickly about some research by, well, it's been done by Helen Fisher and her colleagues. There's uh, studies at Stony Brook. And, and of course, I'll link to these, some of these, at least in the show notes. Um, when they've compared, again, these functional MRIs, they've t- taken scans of couples who stay, say they're still in love after 25 or 30 years. So, you know, those couples that you always annoy you, they're like, we're still so in love. And you're thinking, no, they're not. Well, <laughs> those couples go get studied. And so it's self-reporting couples who self-report we're still in love. And they take M- uh, functional MRIs of them. And then they take new couples in love. Again, so couples who self-report, we are newly in love. Oh, we just fell in love. It's so great. And what they do is they compare those MRIs, right? They compare the scans. And what they found, and I'm going to quote, I'm going to find it in a minute. Here it is. They found that the pattern of activity in the participants' dopamine reward systems was the same as that found in the brains of participants in early stage romantic love. In other words, they're the same. So what they found is that people who say they're in love after 25 or 30 years are telling the truth, uh, that that they have all that same reward circuitry going on as, you know, that so that 50-something-year-old couple who's been together for 30 years is saying the same things as that 22-year-old couple uh, who just got together. So yeah, believe it or not. And so you don't, if you don't have to fall out of love, if you can get that, you know, butterflies in the stomach, rush of focus, that euphoria, uh, and for some of you, it might be the first time, I don't know. Some people say, Hey, I was never really had that in love feeling. You can have it if your relationship. So again, either has transitioned from passionate romantic love into compassionate love, or if it's transitioned from passionate romantic love into feeling completely out of love, there are still things you can do to build back to that kind of initial. And I'm going to give you my, I think I have four tips today. I do. My top four tips for this. So, and they really, these tips especially kind of go in order uh, where I'd want you to do one and, you know, do number one before you do number two and number three, et cetera. Okay. So the first one is really important and that is around building intimacy the way your partner likes. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Building intimacy the way your partner likes, not the way you like, the way your partner likes. And let me explain the difference. And again, most of the folks listening are in uh, heterosexual relationships, and that's mostly who I speak to. This does apply, of course, if you're in a homosexual relationship. However, um, you'll see if it's 
to men or to women, you know, what you have to deal with. But I'm going to speak as if um, it's a heterosexual relationship for now. So women and men experience together time differently. And women get a feeling of emotional closeness from face-to-face speaking. Women want, they want to anchor their gaze with their partner. They want to feel that undivided attention as they speak. And biological anthropologists, again, have noted that this comes from really millions or at very least hundreds of thousands of years of women having babies and looking into their eyes as they breastfed, as they spoke to them, as they taught them things. This is how they created that special bond. And in that same way, women would sit in circles, and in many parts of the world, they still do this. They would sit in circles with other women as they, you know, washed, as they cooked, crafted, sewed, whatever they were doing. And they would have conversations while looking at one another over their work. So they would attend down to their work and then to attend back up to the circle. And they sat in a circle so they could all see one another and bond. This is, again, the way women do it. Now, women want to do this with the men in their lives. I've had countless women in my office who were totally, I mean, dumbfounded that their partners didn't realize that texting was not enough or getting flowers or gifts didn't help them feel closer to their mates. And so men, it might sound, I don't know, trite or overdone or whatever, but it's true. Give your partner your undivided attention with direct eye contact. If you want to build trust and intimacy and that spark back, that's, this is one of the first ways to do it right there. And I, of course, in other podcasts, give you lots of ways to communicate better and to ask questions and all that good stuff. So, you know, listen to my other podcasts, but to really, I'm really helping you pay attention right now to how important it is to have that direct eye contact to really, again, what, um, they usually the researchers call anchoring your gaze where you're really right there. You're not drifting down to your phone. You're not looking out the door, you know, position yourself if you need to. Uh, Like if you're sitting in a restaurant, for example, I've had people complain about this and you're talking and then people are walking by and you kind of look up, you know, you're looking up. It's hard not to sometimes women do it too, but this is a, but the problem is men aren't as bothered by it generally. Um, uh, but when men look up, when the women are talking to them, they, women get very upset generally. It's like, they don't feel like they have their full attention. Again, they want that full attention to them means anchoring the gaze, really looking that person in the eye. So, uh, that's what I want you to do, men. Okay. If you want to build this, get that trust, that spark back. That's what you, that's a big, big place to start. Now, this isn't going to work for men to get that in love feeling. So women doing this to your man, anchoring your gaze with him doesn't do it. So again, in their kind of eons long history, right? In, in how long men have been around, men have built their emotional close, closeness and, you know, that intimacy from side by side doing. Uh, once again, you know, the biological anthropologists, they you know, believe this comes from millions of years of hiding behind a bush next to one another, staring at, you know, the animal they wanted to take down and kill together. You can't throw a spear at a deer (laughs) or, you know, kill something with a rock if you're looking at your hunting partner, if you two, you were chatting. So they would stand by side by side, stare at the thing they were going to kill or go after or hide from. And that's how they did it. They didn't look at each other. So uh, Helen Fisher says it great. She, I love this quote. She says, for millions of years, men faced their enemies, but sat side by side with their friends. And in fact, so in studies of men bonding and talking to each other, 
uh, with one another, they found that when one man looks up, the other actually looks away. How do you like that for not wanting that direct gaze, <laughs> that anchored gaze? See, not so good for men. So <laughs> women need to understand this about their men. Look for ways to stand next to your man in life. Kind of, a, It's kind of metaphorical for us, but it's physical too. So, you know, how do you approach things as a team? How, how are you going to take down the buffalo together? How do you support him and what he needs to quote unquote get done? Right? Because they're about doing, side by side doing. Uh, as much as you need that direct talk, he needs the sitting next to him while he maybe he watches something on TV or going in the car with him when he runs an errand, being part of his problem solving and tackling things. And a lot of times in relationships, especially if there's kids or anything else, uh, parents tend to divide their time. They quote unquote divide and conquer. So, you know, I'm off doing this while you off doing this and I'm, and it's, and then they think, oh, well, we'll spend quality time together later. But for men and men don't even always realize this. It is quality time. If you know, your wife jumps in the car with you to go to Home Depot. (laughs) Even though she doesn't even know what she's looking for, even though she doesn't understand the project, even though whatever, just to be with you and walk with you and, you know, maybe try to make a, I, when I go with my mantle, he loves Lowe's. When I, when we're in there together and he's looking for something, he likes to build crap and whatever. Great. Um, and he builds beautiful things actually. But I don't know anything about it or wood or any of this stuff, but I go and I go, oh, the redwood, oh, it looks beautiful. And I just try to be interested and I, I can always find some interest. I'm not faking it. I can find something. It's not my favorite thing to go do. It's not like I'd rather do that than, you know, do something else, but, but it's important to him. It's something he likes. So I want to sort of be part of that process. Now, if I was really wonderful, I'd be outside with him, helping him, you know, I don't know varnish or shellac or whatever else is on the other side. I have to admit, I don't do that, but, um, you know, but do you get the point? There's, there's a way of being partnered. Okay. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, you got to get naked people. So (laughs) Harvard researchers, uh, Richard Schwartz and Jacqueline Olds or Jacqueline, maybe it is Olds. They also happen to be married. They've been doing research for decades, I think 40 years. (laughs) And they identify something they call the rustiness phenomenon. So Olds, she says that, I'm going to quote her, couples get out of the habit of sex, of being incredibly in love. It's a habit to be incredibly in love. I love that language because it's true. Um, And, you know, there's often good reasons for this. So work, children, sick parents, whatever, but that type of love can definitely be reignited. And again, this idea that, you know, sexual activity activates the brain's reward circuit, making couples desire each other more. That's why you want the sex. She, and, and Olds goes on, to, she says that that alone may be enough to bring some couples back to those earlier exhilarating days when all they could think about was their newfound love. So sex is big. Uh, it really is. And I know people don't want to think it's big and I get all kinds of stuff about this. I get this from men too. Men will say, oh, I don't care about sex anymore or whatever. I, it's a... It's again, the thing that separates us from being roommates. And so, and even just skin to skin contact, you know, lots of that kind of stuff is really important. So sexual activity and touching also increase uh, oxytocin and vasopressin levels. And I'm not going to really talk about vasopressin today, but uh, it's, it gets, it gets too long people. I I have to stop somewhere. Um, (laughs) But the, and these hormones, both of them are all about bonding and attachment 
And oxytocin, I know many of you have heard of because that has a big role in pregnancy and nursing and all the, you know, mom-infant attachment, you know, that we feel when we breastfeed, we get it, all that good stuff. So, but uh, it's also released during sex and very, you know, really heightened during skin-to-skin contact. So, and think of oxytocin with adults as deepening that feeling of attachment. It makes couples feel closer to one another, especially after having sex, by the way. So oxytocin, it's why it's, it's known as the love hormone. It deepens these feelings of attachment. It makes couples feel closer, again, especially after sex. And it triggers these feelings of contentment, of calmness, and security. It's great. And it's it's meant for that, again, from our millions-year-old DNA, because when we were bonded to each other, we were certainly safer, and we would help each other and be there for each other, and we live longer when we did that, and we still do. So, uh, and Dr. Luis Garcia of Rutgers University, he talks about and also believes that having sex is a good way to reignite those earlier feelings. And he points to a number of studies that show that sexual satisfaction and satisfaction with the relationship, they're correlated with one another. So in other words, studies have consistently found that having a satisfying sex life is a key trait of people who are in successful long-term relationships. Again, that feel happy, that are satisfied, all that good stuff. They are in these kinds of relationships where there's sex happening. As I said earlier, this is tip number two for a reason, because I want you to work on tip number one and bonding first. And I've said this over and over in my podcasts and on my blogs and everywhere else. Men like to have sex to feel close and women need to feel close to have sex. So you really do need to do number one first before you try to just dive into sex. But I have to say, you got to make it a priority it just needs to be. It's really, you know, that again, that rustiness phenomena, it's a habit, becomes a habit to be not having sex. It's a habit to not feel in love. And we just don't want that anymore. We want to really ignite that again. So really have to think of getting naked again. Got to do it, people. Okay. Tip number three. This is from Dr. Lucy Brown. She's a neuroscientist at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She's been involved in many studies, again, looking at these functional MRIs of people in love. And one of the things she's noted that's a little different is that all those areas in the brain, you know, that we discussed earlier that light up when we're in love, well, they also light up when uh, they had people looking, just looking at pictures of their partner and having loving thoughts. Ha ha. So if you, and maybe this could be number one, I don't know, you know, maybe this tip should be higher up the food chain here. No matter what, I think that having sex needs to be kind of one of the, one of the later ones for everybody. Uh, but if you're looking to get that spark back, reach for a picture of your partner, or even I kind of like the idea of the two of you together, um, where you like just a picture that you love and I want you to take that picture and consciously think loving thoughts about your person, about your partner. If it's a picture, again, of the two of you laughing, let's say at a party, think of that day and the fun you were having when that photo was taken and play that, take yourself back to that time and play it like a movie in your head while you look at the picture and feel, feel that emotion attached 
to that day. Maybe it's a wedding photo. For a lot of people, their weddings were kind of stressful. Um, so, so it doesn't have to be that. But often it can be you guys at a party or sometimes the most wonderful ones often are the ones that aren't staged, but, uh, you know, that are just in the moment, but wh- however it is, I want you to take a picture and it could just be your partner alone, something, uh, a picture of them that you just find really beautiful and whatever, for whatever reason. And you just sit with it. And what I want you to do is practice this for three minutes a day, every day for a week. So you're going to take the picture. You're going to set a timer on your phone for three minutes. You don't have to do it longer, I promise. But you have to get into, remember what I call state. You have to really be fully in. So you have to put yourself in this loving feeling and really think these thoughts and really remember a time. You're going to have to remember that time when you really felt connected to your partner um, and really just enjoyed them. Uh, I had uh, one client do this and it's a picture of her uh, husband actually giving a talk and he's giving the talk and he's just, you know, he's really in his element. I said to her, why do you love that? And she said, you know, he's in his element. It's something he loves doing. He's so confident doing it. I love watching him speak. Um, it's just these moments I feel really proud to be his wife. And she was talking about that. And I thought that is so cool. That's really neat. And, and then I realized, you know, I have a picture of my man where he's, uh, it's way back when he's running a uh, triathlon. And I love this photo and not because, you know, my man is hot because he is, but it's also just because he's so in his element, as I've said before, so many times in this podcast, he loves working out. He's that weirdo loves working out. He loves these triathlons. You all know now he's in the Spartan races, but he's just in his element. He's so him. So I find that picture like the best picture ever of him. Um, and so I got the, I got what she was saying about that. So if I was having trouble with him, this is the picture I would bring up and really maybe focus on or us, you know, I have some pictures of us like laughing at a party or something. I, I would likely choose one of those. Okay. So that's, that's tip number three. Think of them lovingly. And tip number four is to remember that love is also a verb, which means doing, not just sitting. So finding a way to change the routine. Again, getting out of the habit of being out of love, get into a habit of being in love. So, you know, please stop watching TV at night. (laughs) Please do something else. At least one night a week, take a dance class together, take a woodworking class. I don't care. Get a trainer and do a couple's workout, go to your local Buddhist temple and meditate together. I don't care what it is, but find something new to do together. Novelty or newness is one of those things that also lights up these in love feelings in our brain circuits. So you really get a ton of bang for your buck from this. Um, and but just coming together into something new, just just turning some of this around because it's been this habit. Your RAS is all focused. This sucks. You know, we never do this. We always had to do that. Whatever that is, you want to reprogram that thing. You want to get out of these strained habits of being in the same way, the same time all the time. And this is all about your brain. This is all about what's happening up there. So you want to shift that, shift that brain chemistry. You already have some of it working for and against you. So now you're aware of it and you want to take that and hold it and create that spark again. But just knowing I've had a few couples in my office when I told them about some of the research, they thought they said, just knowing that that's real, that that's not just something you kind of hear about these mythical couples who are in love after 25 years, but they really are. And that they're not 
BSing that they really are like their brain shows they really are in love after all that time that that's possible and I can have that is huge you know they don't have anything special they have not necessarily been in love all those years by the way these couples um, this isn't a you know nobody's in love nonstop for 50 years nobody that you go up and down you go through things and out of things but it's holding and coming back over and over to it that's the key Okay, that's what we have for today. I uh, want to see you on the next podcast. So please hit subscribe if you haven't done that yet. Uh, You can get that on um, iTunes or Stitcher or any of those places. Definitely uh, subscribe to the podcast. And as always, I would really appreciate a review. If you can stop and leave a review wherever you download would be awesome and really help and make sure the word gets out to other people to come on and listen. All right, have a great day, everybody. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.